Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. As you know, on Wednesday night, going into Thursday, we had some storms and rainfall levels that, that uh, created some floodwaters that prevented normal traffic flow, which ultimately led to the decision being made early Thursday morning to cancel school for the duration of the day. Now, I've heard all my life the phrase, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. <laughs> But after living in the city for more than two decades, I I began to think that that phrase was outdated and no longer applicable until Thursday. We really were in a good Lord willing and creek don't rise situation and the creek rose. So I'm not recommending that that anyone move away from Stockdale, but but if you were trying to move to a place that, that would probably not have flooding, All right, I would recommend you look into Corvallis, Oregon. In fact, a a geographical study was done by uh, Sperling's Best Places. They did a study on what American cities were the safest places to live and and really which ones would have the most natural disasters. And so they studied which cities would have uh, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, extreme heat, and heavy rainfall, and they found that the safest city in America is Corvallis, Oregon. They believe that uh, this small northwestern city in Oregon is the least likely place to experience any natural disaster. So we're in a series right now walking through the book of Nehemiah titled Restore, Rebuild, Revive. And as we've been walking through this series, we've been focusing in on revival. Revival is what we're praying for here at First Baptist Stockdale. Revival is what we're asking God to send. We, we desire to see revival in our church, but we also desire to see it in our, in our homes, in our hearts, and in our community, and, and even beyond. So my desire would be that it could never be said at First Baptist Stockdale through, through a study or by any other means that First Baptist Stockdale is the least likely place to experience revival My desire would be that it would always be said of this church body that we are so devoted to gathering together, that we are so devoted to seeking the Lord, that we are so devoted to prayer, that that we would not only be known for experiencing revival, but we would also be known for being catalysts of revival in our community and beyond. So let me remind you of what our working definition is for revival. Revival is when God wakes up believers, igniting within them a desire for both his presence and his holiness in their lives. It brings both believers and non-believers to repentance, resulting in true worship and the faithful sharing of Christ with others. So as we get ready to continue in our series today, you can turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 27 through 43 today. Nehemiah 12, 27 
through 43. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to set this up for you. And I'm going to warn you, like I did last week, this setup is going to be a little bit longer than normal because there is much to cover before we get into our actual passage. So if you remember going all the way back to Nehemiah chapter 7, after the rebuilding of the walls and the gates were completed, the city was still somewhat empty. And so God put it in Nehemiah's mind to, to assemble the leaders and to go through all of the genealogical records to bring all of the people of Israel back to the city of Jerusalem. And so it, it, what we've seen in, in the last few chapters following everybody returning to Jerusalem, we've seen that, that there was this humbling, there was this time of repentance, this time of confession, and, and a time of covenant with God. So while our primary text is going to be in, in chapter 12, what we see in chapter 11 is, is a lot of names listed and I'm not going to read all of those names to you today, right? If you want to go back and read those names, feel free to do it later on. Bonus points if you can pronounce them all correctly, all right? Now, we, we are going to see a, a whole lot of names in, in the text that I am reading today, but, but I'm not going to read all those names in chapter 11, all right? But, but what we see in chapter 11 is important because while everyone had gathered in Jerusalem, while, while everyone was there for this time of confession, this, this time of covenant, not everyone was actually going to stay in Jerusalem to live. Many of the people were going to go back to their homes where they were already living. So as we start in, in chapter 11, we see in verses 1 and 2 the people that were going to stay. Now understand, it was important for people to stay in the city of Jerusalem because a city is not a city without people, right? A city is not a city without people because the city is not the buildings and the city is not the houses. The city is the people. Without people, you cannot have a city. Now it's important to, to make this note because the same could be said for a church, the church is not a church without people. The church is not the buildings. The church is not the fellowship hall. The church is not this sanctuary that we're in right now. Many, many times I think we, we make the mistake of, of calling the building the church, right? I'm going to, to church, right? We make the, the mistake of calling the building the church, but, but the building is not the church. The church is the people. And without people, you have no church. Now, why is it important to make this distinction, right? Because the church is not just something that we attend on Sunday mornings. The church is something that we are. We are called to be the church while we're inside these walls, but we're also called to be the church outside of these walls. And while the people in chapter 11 were called to stay in their city, we as believers, we are called to go out from the church into our city and even beyond. In fact, at the end of this service today, we're going to be praying over and commissioning one of our members, Karen Kibbe, as she gets ready to go work with uh, Women's Build as a part of WMU. She's going to be working with other women to, to be building a house this week for a family. Right? Now, while we're going to be commissioning Karen for this specific mission. As we commission her for this specific ministry project, understand every single week when we leave this place, you are being commissioned as believers to go out into 
your community. You are being commissioned to go and serve the Lord in your homes. You're being commissioned to go and serve the Lord in your schools, in your workplaces, wherever you would go. You are being commissioned as the church to go out and serve and to share. So the church needs people. Likewise, the city of Jerusalem needed people. And so in chapter 11, we see the decision being made as to who was going to stay in the city of Jerusalem. We see that the leaders were going to stay in the city of Jerusalem, and then 10% of the rest of the people were going to stay in Jerusalem. Now, in verse 1, we see that they cast lots to determine who that, who that 10% was going to be made up of. Right? It, it, kind of like they drew straws to decide who was going to stay and who was going to go. But what we see in, in, in verse 2 is that everyone who stayed really did so voluntarily. Every single person stayed by their own will. Understand, God uses the willing God uses the willing. God would use the willing leaders, and God would use the, those willing 10% that stayed in Jerusalem to repopulate, to regrow this city of Jerusalem. God uses the willing. This is important to note because sometimes I think that, that we feel like we have nothing to offer God, that, that really there's no way that, that God can use us. But, but I believe the question really is not, will God use you or can God use you? The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to allow God to use you? And if you feel like you have nothing to offer God today, then let me offer you a simple prayer. God, I offer you my willingness. God, I offer you my willingness because God uses the willing. And if you're willing, God will use you. Now, as we look at the willingness of the people to stay in the city of Jerusalem, this was really no small thing that they were committing their lives to, that they were agreeing to do. In many ways, the city of Jerusalem, in many ways, it, it was relaunching, right? Kind of restarting. If you remember, after, uh, after they were released from captivity in Babylon, only a small handful of them went back to the city of Jerusalem, And then the walls and the gates, it, it, it took nearly 100 years for the walls and gates to be rebuilt. And, and so for all of this time, the city was vulnerable. And because of this, the city just never grew. People were not moving into that city to live. But as the walls and the gates have now been completed, as these important pieces are now in place, the city is primed and ready to begin growing. But, but for those that were going to be a part of that regrowth, it meant committing to moving into something that was relaunching. It, it meant moving potentially away from an established city where they were living into a city that was just now being reestablished. It meant moving away from maybe a larger city where they were living into Jerusalem, which could be a smaller city than what they're already living in. And in our world today, th this often goes against our nature to move away from the quote-unquote bigger and better and to move to something smaller, right? We are often driven to, to move or, or to pursue the bigger and better, right? 
In fact, when, when Matthew, last week, if you remember, Matthew, the worship pastor from First Baptist Watauga, uh, he came down here to help us get all of our live stream equipment up and running along with, with Billy. And while Matthew was here, he told me anytime he tells his friends about my move to Stockdale from Fort Worth, they're always shocked. They're like, why would he move away from a big city to a smaller town? But, but it's not just people up there that are asking that question. When we moved here to Stockdale, when I took Emily to uh, the junior high to get her schedule, the question was asked, asked of us, why would you move away from a big city to little old Stockdale? I, I think sometimes it just goes against our nature to, to move away from bigger and to, to move to, to something smaller. But, but the answer to that question really is simple. We moved away from a larger city to a smaller town because God called us to. And because God called us to, we came joyfully and willingly. So let me pause and say this. Don't simply look for the bigger and better in this life. Look for where God is calling you. Look for where God is calling you. This goes for where you live. This goes for where you work. This even goes, uh, goes for what body of believers that you're going to connect your life with. Don't just look for the quote-unquote bigger and better. Look for where God is calling you. Anytime I talk to someone about uh, visiting or even becoming a member here at First Baptist Stockdale, I say this with all sincerity. My desire for you is that you would go where God is calling you. I want you to be walking in obedience to not your desires, but to his will. I want you to go where God calls you. And if God is calling you to join this body of believers, to connect your life with this body of believers, to join us on mission as we love, as we, as we, serve, as we grow, love, grow, serve, go, as we, as we are on mission together, if God is calling you to connect your life with this body of believers as, as we seek revival then I want you to be obedient to that. And in fact, at the end of this service today, you will have an opportunity to become a part of this body of believers here at First Baptist Stockdale. But my desire for you is that you would go where God is calling you to go. Now, the, whether we're talking about uh, where you live or whether we're talking about where you work or whether we're talking about what body of believers that you connect your life with, when you know where God is calling you, Go there joyfully and willingly. These individuals that stayed in Jerusalem, they did so willingly. They did so voluntarily. So throughout chapter 11, we see the list of those names of everybody that is staying in Jerusalem. And so as we get ready to look at our passage today, what we're going to see in our passage today in chapter 12 is some of these things that happened following these decisions uh, to resettle Jerusalem. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 27 through 43. Nehemiah 12, 27 through 43. Oh, I'm in the wrong book right now. <laughs> there we go. All right. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sent for the Levites wherever they lived and brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing accompanied by cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers gathered from the region around Jerusalem from the settlements of the 
Netophathites from Beth Gilgal and from the fields of Geba and Azmaveth, for they had built settlements for themselves around Jerusalem. After the priests and Levites had purified themselves, they purified the people, the city gates, and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up on top of the wall, and I appointed two large processions that gave thanks. One went to the right on the wall toward the dung gate. Hosea and half the leaders of Judah followed along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests' sons with trumpets, and Zechariah, son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Madaniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachar, son of Asaph, followed as well as his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, uh, Milaleh, Gilaleh, Meah, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. Ezra, the scribe, went in, front, uh, went in front of them. At the fountain gate, they climbed the steps of the city of David on the ascent of the wall and went above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The second Thanksgiving procession went to the left, and I followed it with half the people along the top of the wall past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall above the Ephraim gate and by the old gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. They stopped at the gate of the guard. The two thanksgiving processions stood in the house of God. So did I and half of the officials accompanying me as well as the priests Eliakim, Maaseah, Meniamin, Micaiah, Elione, Zechariah and Hananiah with trumpets, and Maaseah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzay, Jehohanan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer. Then the singers sang with Jezariah as leaders. On that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. The women and children also celebrated, and Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. I wonder what the people felt like when they had names like Jonathan and Benjamin. I wonder if they felt left out. Like, why didn't we get a hard name to say? <laughs> so as we look at our passage today, we're going to see three things that we see happen that, that follow this decision to resettle. First, we see a dedication First, we see a dedication. Now, specifically, they were dedicating the walls and, and the gates to the Lord. But the reality is they weren't just dedicating the walls and the gates. They were dedicating everything within the walls and the gates. They were dedicating the entire city to the Lord. Now, what does it mean to dedicate something? Uh, a dedication, the way we see it used in Scripture, is, is a recognition that something or someone does not belong to us, rather the belonging is to God and will therefore be used not for our purposes, but for his. And many times along with the dedication, we see a consecration, uh, meaning that something is declared as holy. And so uh, the Israelites, they knew and they understood that that. While God had used the work of their hands to rebuild the walls and the gates, really, God was at work doing something bigger, allowing the walls and the gates to be rebuilt. And so they understood that, that not only did the walls and gates belong to the Lord, but everything within the walls and the gates belonged to the Lord. They themselves 
belonged to the Lord. And so it was more than simply a dedication of stones. It was a dedication of selves. They were committing to live their lives within the city. They were committing to live their lives for the Lord. And this really is a great picture for us because God's desire is not just to have our exterior. God wants all of us. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're reminded that, that man looks at the outside appearances, but God looks at the heart. And then Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 23 that, that what we should do is not simply clean the outside of the cup or the outside of our lives, but we are to submit our lives to him so that even the inside of the cup, the inside of our lives might be cleaned. God's desire is not just to have our exterior. God's desire is to have all of us. God's desire is to have all of you. God's desire is to have your heart. This is why Jesus came into the world to die for your sins and for mine so that through him, through his death and resurrection, we might fully dedicate our lives to him and that through him we might be consecrated, that through his death and resurrection that we might be declared as holy. Now in verse 27, we see that uh, that they, uh, they sent for the Levites and they brought the Levites in to... Uh, to be a part of this dedication in Jerusalem. So one of the most important jobs of the Levites was to lead the people in songs of, of praise and worship, to lead the, the people in worship to God. And, and so as the Israelites are dedicating the walls and the gates to the Lord, they bring in the Levites to lead them in worship because they understood that this act of dedicating the, the walls and gates, that this act of dedication to the Lord was really an act of worship. And many times, singing is an outward expression of our worship, right? We do that every Sunday morning. We have this outward expression of our worship. It's not that they couldn't worship the Lord apart from singing those songs. Certainly they could. The, the act of dedication was, was worship in and of itself. But by bringing the Levites in to lead them in worship, they were saying, we want to be intentional about worshiping the Lord we want to be intentional about worshiping the Lord. And listen, this is true for us on Sunday mornings too. Certainly we could gather in this place and worship the Lord without singing songs. In fact, if you look at your bulletins, you will see that it says that when we pray, we are worshiping through prayer. It says that when we give our offerings, we are worshiping through giving. We can certainly worship without songs, but many times our worship is expressed in an outward way through singing songs. And so when we gather together on Sunday mornings and we sing these songs, we are saying we want to be intentional about our worship. And, and let me take it just a step further. When you get out of bed on Sunday mornings to gather with us, to join with us, to join your voices with us, to sing praises to the Lord, you are saying, I want to be intentional about worshiping the Lord this week. I want to be intentional, and so I'm going to gather, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to sing songs because I want to be intentional about worshiping the Lord. So continue to come, continue to gather with us, continue to be intentional in your worship. 
So we see a dedication. Second, we see a purification. In verse 30, we see the priests and the Levites, they purified themselves. They purified the people and they purified the walls and the gates. And, and this purification was, was a part of ceremonial ritual that was prescribed for purification, for cleansing in the Old Testament. Now, the priests and the Levites, they started by purifying themselves because they, they knew that they could not effectively lead the people in worship. They could not effectively lead the people to walk in purity if they themselves were not walking in purity. They didn't want to just offer up lip service to, to the Lord. They wanted to make sure that they were leading with integrity. They wanted to make sure that they were leading with purity because they knew that they could not truly worship the Lord with an impure heart. Listen, the same is for us. We cannot truly worship the Lord with an impure heart. We cannot truly worship the Lord if we are living in habitual, ongoing sin, unrepented of. If, if we have impurity in our heart, we cannot truly worship the Lord. Now, certainly we can sing songs, right? But, but if our hearts are far from God, then our songs are just lip service to the Lord and our songs are in vain. And so let me just pause right here and ask you, where is your heart this morning? Is your heart close to the Lord? Are you walking in purity before the Lord today? Or would you say that your heart is far from God? Would you say that there is sin or a struggle in your life that has not been dealt with, that, that has not been repented of? Where is your heart this morning? And if you would say that you're here today and you have an unrepented of sin, then I would encourage you, if you're a believer, get that right with the Lord and begin walking in purity. Turn to him. You see, Jesus came into this world and died on the cross and rose again so that he could be the one to make us pure. And so if you're a believer, you have been given his purity. So don't walk in impurity any longer. Now, if you're not a believer, if you've never given your life to Christ, then for you, I would say, today, turn from your sin and allow Jesus to become your Lord so that through him, you might receive this free gift of purity so that you might be begin to walk in this free gift of purity. No matter where you find yourself, the desire for us is that we would no longer walk in sins, that we would walk in purity before the Lord. So, in purifying the gates, they were communicating something. We saw that they purified themselves, they purified the people. In purifying the gates, they were communicating that they wanted to walk in purity before the Lord, both in their going out and in their coming in. If they left the city, they wanted to walk in purity. When they returned to the city, they wanted to walk in purity. Today, would you make that commitment through Jesus Christ as well? That both in your going out and in your coming in, that you will walk in purity before the Lord? I think many times we, we kind of joke, right? When we're, we're in the church building, we can't say that in the church building, right? Or we can't do that in the church building, right? If we're, if we're talking about uh, maybe a sin, something sinful, we can't do or say that. We're in, we're in the church building right now, right? But the reality is if we shouldn't say it or do it in the church building, we certainly shouldn't say it or do it outside of the church building. Because as believers, we are called to walk in purity wherever we are, both in our going out and in our 
coming in. So they purified the gates. And now in purifying the walls, they were purifying the very thing that surrounded them. They were purifying the very thing that, they, that surrounded the city. So let me say this. Surround yourselves with purity. If you, if you want to walk in purity before the Lord, surround yourselves with purity. Surround yourself that, with people that will encourage you to walk in purity. Surround yourself with, with things that are going to encourage you to walk in purity. Remove the things in your life that, that would cause you to struggle. Remove those things in, in your life that would lead you into temptation. Surround yourself with purity. They were, they were purifying the walls that they might surround themselves with purity. So we see a dedication. We see a purification. Finally, this morning, we see a celebration. Let's read verse 43 again. It says, On that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. The women and children also celebrated, and Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. When they came together to praise, when they came together to worship, when they came to, together to celebrate the Lord, it was an overflow, an overflow of something that was already going on inside their hearts. So every Friday, I try to make it out to the high school pep rallies and, and to the home football games. And, and one thing that is evident at those pep rallies and at those football games is that school pride does not begin at those pep rallies. School pride does not begin at those football games. Rather, the, the songs played, the loud cheers, and the battle cries from the, the fans in the stands is an overflow of the school pride that is already in the people's hearts, right? So I want you to understand this. Sunday morning should not be the beginning of worship for us. Sunday morning should not be when we begin to start worshiping. There should be something already going on inside of our hearts throughout the week. Worship should already be going on inside of us so that when we come together to worship, when we come together to celebrate, when we come together to praise the Lord, it is an overflow of the worship, of the thankfulness, of the celebration that is already going on in our hearts. And I love what we read in verse 43. It says that Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. Now, it would seem that their songs were so loud that it could be heard in other towns far away. Now, I want you to hear my desire for First Baptist Stockdale. My desire would be that our praise would be heard far from this place, that our thankfulness would be heard far from this place. Not that the songs in this building would be so loud that the building couldn't contain it, but that the praise and the thankfulness and the, the joy that we have in the Lord would be so big that our hearts couldn't contain it. So that wherever we go, whether we're going to work, whether we're going shopping, whether we're just somewhere in the community, wherever we go, that, that our joy that our worship, that our praise, that our thankfulness for the Lord would be evident in our lives and that we would take this celebration far from this place. Now, if you're here today and you would say, I want that joy. I need that joy. How can I have that joy? Understand, you can have this joy through Jesus Christ. And today, if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, 
then I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And understand, if you give your life to the Lord, there is going to be a celebration. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing one final song. And as we sing this final song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond this morning. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never given my life to Christ, but I recognize the sin that's in my life that needs to be repented of, that that I need to turn from, and, and that I need to be forgiven of this sin. And today you recognize that Jesus died and rose again, and and you are ready to allow him to become the Lord of your life. If that's you today, then I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. As we sing, you can step out of your seat and just join me down here. We can talk, we can pray. Today can be the day that you receive the greatest joy you will ever know through Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, you've given your life to the Lord, but maybe there's areas of your life that that you would have to confess, you know, I'm not walking in purity in that area. And you need to get that right with the Lord. You can do that right where you're at today. You can deal with God right where you're at. But if you need someone to pray with you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Maybe you're here today and you would say you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of baptism. Baptism is what we are all called to do as believers. And so if we're going to walk in obedience to the Lord, then we need to take that first step of obedience through baptism. And so if you've never taken that step, then I would invite you to respond as well. Let's talk. Let's pray. Today you can commit to being baptized. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I followed with baptism. And you know that God is calling you to make this your church home. As I said earlier, if that's what God is calling you to do, then I invite you to come joyfully and willingly to be a part of what God is doing here at First Baptist Stockdale. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, to do today, then I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's pray together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.